0: felt you Welcome to the Crombie Hot Podcast for June 7, 2023. Hello again, my name is Terrence O'Donnell and I'm back for another episode of News from Around the World and an op-ed about something that may be important to you or not, depending on what matters to you. In this once a week podcast, now being hosted on RSS.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio and so many others, I try to offer you stories from news feeds and writers from around the world that you may not have heard of yet. The stories are mostly about climate change, racism, politics, human interest pieces not found on the front pages that might make you think for a moment, or at least I hope so. A little about me. I'm of Irish descent and a self-professed Sean Kay, a Gaelic storyteller, and I want this podcast to feel like we're sitting under the Ah, which is Gaelic for the tree of life, which is typically the village oak tree. Sitting under this imaginary tree together I will pass on some headlines and why I think these stories are relevant to the world we find ourselves in now. Once in a while I might even find an amusing story to bring about a smile. I want to use this podcast as a friendly space to promote my activism to address the wrongs of the world, at least the ones that are often missed by the front page news which tend to overshadow them. I just hope I can do so without offending anyone. This podcast is free to subscribe to for anyone who cares to listen, because I have no desire to charge any money while I bring attention to things going on in the world since last week's episode. I think monetizing this show takes away from the idea what the show, show is all about, pushing people to get up and make a difference in the world before it gets too late, although we're almost there now. I do offer the option of donations and subscriptions to my written online stories and articles in medium.com and substack.com. Speaking of which, I'll be taking a break once I deliver the headlines to you, where I promote my website, my stories, and articles published in Medium.com and Substack to a degree. And this is nothing but a one or two minute clip, so it won't be too bad. All right, so let's get right into the headlines for this week. My first story came out last week. RCMP says it has shut down illegal police activity connected to alleged. Chinese police stations. So, this article obviously from We're Dealing with RCMP came out of CBC Canada and it's from Edel Musa. The big thing about this is I've mentioned this in previous broadcasts how the Chinese government has established these so called illegal police stations around the world. And what they're basically designed to do is harass Chinese immigrants that have come over from the PRC to other countries and UK, Australia, Canada, United States, um, some, you know, a couple of places in South America, and basically their job is to make sure that none of these folks do say anything bad about Beijing. If they do, they get harassed, they get bound up, some of them got have been kidnapped and sent back to China, and so on and so forth. Well, the governments are now stepping up and closing these places down. So the big thing is we, you know, The United States shut down a bunch of them, and I mentioned that before, as I mentioned. U.K. shut some, and security services and the RCMP are actively shutting them down. Good for them. And Yeah, it is. It's a good thing. It's about time the world stood up to China and said, hey, you can't do this. You're invading sovereign territory. All right, my next article is coming from Malta. Women in Malta charged in court for having abortion. Pro-choice groups condemn rare enforcement of countries' total ban on terminations. This came out of The Guardian. Under the influence of the Catholic Church, Malta has a complete ban on abortions, but they don't seem to be inclined to do more than slap women on the hand about it. Malta is the only EU country with a total ban right now. I suppose that is the shiny side of this cloud. Screw the Catholic Church and her outdated ideas. I really wish the Catholic Church had quit would just leave people alone? I mean, there's, you know, this latest thing in Canada about a priest up there, you know, who's abusing children still, even though they moved him out and got him away from children. They caught him again. I mean, this guy needs to go to jail. When are they going to learn? So here's, here's an article out of Norway. And this is, again, another article from The Guardian. Commission exposes injustice, injustices against Norway's indigenous people. Parliament hopes report examining historic treatment of the Sami and Kevins will raise awareness of and encourage reconciliation. Norway admits to indigenous abuse and making the indigenous peoples assimilate into Norwegian society and trying to erase their cultures and languages. They'll be changing their attitudes after this report. Now, if only the people of North America can learn from this, and that's a very good point. Too bad. And now I'm going to go into a political article here from Tom Hartman. This came out on June 1st. The GOP's evil plans for the Little Mermaid and fascism have surfaced. The crisis for any Republican who wants to run against Trump is that they'll have to run to the right of fascism. But what occupies that space? Pure, raw, genocidal dictatorship that ends America. So this is Tom Hartman's article laying out how the GOP presidential wannabe is going to have to go full-on dictator to beat Trump as Donald Trump is coming hard as an open fascist. This is going to be very interesting over the next 12 months going into the primaries. So again, this came out on June 1st. and There's been a lot more stuff on this to a degree. Um, a lot more candidates have uh, remarked in the last few last seven days they're wanting to be presidential wannabes. Very few of them are going to make it. But the question is, how much of this is going to dilute Donald Trump's presidential run here? I hope and it dilutes it a lot. I really do. They really need to show the people, the voters, who Donald Trump really is. I mean, Chris Christie, who just announced his thing, is starting to do that. And I think the only reason he's doing, he, the only reason he's running is so that he can show everybody just how bad Donald Trump is. He doesn't really care if he wins. He doesn't really care if he gets any standing in the voters. He's going to come out here and trash Trump and take it all the way to the end. Well, good on him, because uh, there was an article in today's news, Mike Pence is also starting to trash Donald Trump. So if enough of these Republican presidential wannabes get on board and start trashing Donald Trump and dilute his campaign, we might actually have something going here. We'll have to wait and see. So this one comes from bbc.com. BRICS ministers call for rebalancing of global order away from the West. The BRICS countries are calling for a shift away from Western countries, and since they have 40% of the world's population, they seem to think that they are strong enough to take care of themselves. The BRICS countries are Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. It's becoming clear that the world is moving on from Western influence in a lot of different regions. The U.S. is losing its ability to influence, bully countries anymore, and it's showing. And there's even more articles that have come out in the news here this last week. Um, the Saudis are making new deals. The Chinese are making new trade deals. And they're all steering away from the United States. So Anthony Brickens, I think his name is Blinkens, has gone over to Saudi to try and mend fences over there. But the chances of that happening are probably slim to very little. Um, they are—they're all about making money from somebody else because the United States is a little frail right now. So I got—I got another article here from Tom Arban that I picked up here in the last week. What happens when you tax billionaires at ninety percent? We did it before, and the result was the creation of the world's first and largest middle class and a level of peace and prosperity that held its own until Ronald Reagan took a meat at meat axe to it. And this article in, Daily, in Tom Hartman's Daily Takes says it all. It's where the U.S. needs to get back to and start from. And it's a common sense solution. Something that needs to be sadly lacking in the United States this day. So ever since Citizens United, they've been you know, corporations have been legally bribing legislators from the state level to the federal level for nearly 40 years. And it's a shame because you can see the results of it right now. The wealth gap between the, the mighty and the, and the not so mighty is getting larger every week. And it's not going to get any better until we the voters stand up to these people and say enough is enough. Which is something I'm going to be promoting from now on. Voters, just you guys need to wait for that because you're going to hear more about that in my op-ed. Extremists are running America because no one runs against them. This came out of the NewRepublic.com. The author of Texas Abortion Ban Faced No Opponent in 2022 by David Pepper. This article is about how state elections are becoming pointless exercises because the incumbent candidates are running largely unopposed. And this is what is driving a lot of the Red straight extreme legislations, with Texas and Ohio leading the way. And what they're talking about here is a lot of these state elections that come up every couple of years, midterms, I'm sure everybody's familiar with those, and some other ones. Um, but these these legislators who are already there are running unopposed. Nobody wants to go up against them. I don't know whether it's out of fear or apathy. Nobody wants to stand up and do the job anymore. So these guys are just our shoe-ins. And they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff, as we can see in the mainstream news. Here's another one that's kind of important, actually, because we've heard a little bit about other countries around the world, Japan being front-runner here. China in some ways, the United States life expectancy problem is bigger than we ever thought," report finds by Adriana Rodriguez in USA Today. The biggest takeaways from this article is that the U.S. has one of the lowest life expectancy ratings among, among the most civilized countries due to its health care policies, and this is further divided up between regions of the country. Imagine, the more conservative states have the lowest life expectancy ratings. I wonder why. With women's, women's health care clinics closing in these states, doctors are leaving for better work conditions and politics. So it's no wonder that women's health care is, you know, is in serious jeopardy in a lot of these red states. Uh, but health care in general is is going down all over the country. And it's it's lowering our life expectancy. I mean, we used to be up in the high 70s and 80s. I remember once here a couple of decades ago, but now we're lucky to make the bottom 70s, as far as average lifespan. That's pretty sad for, you know, a first-tier country here like the United States, especially with the quality of healthcare that is available. But it's becoming now, it's only available if you can afford it. And if you can't afford it, well, too bad. And that's why our life expectancy has gotten, has gotten lowered. Now, we're going to get into climate change. Arizona limits future home building in the Phoenix area due to lack of groundwater. Now, this story I picked up a few days ago, and it's been in the news in a couple of different places since then. So, action set to slow population growth for one of the most rapidly expanding areas of the U.S. amid mega drought out of the Guardian.com U.S. news. This is from Oliver Millman and Agency. The water scarcity in Arizona has finally come to a head. State is restricting the building of new homes due to the lack of groundwater. New developments have to find alternative water sources in order to get permits to build now. They're trying to slow population growth to the area for good reason. There's not enough water for anyone, especially new home new homeowners. So basically, if you try to buy a new home in Arizona right now, good luck getting any water. I, I seriously think they're going to have even more problems here going down the road because there's just nowhere near enough water to go around. They built all these houses out there, and there's some of these subdivisions that are you know, far enough outside the city limits that they're having to truck water in by water trucks, and that's wicked expensive. So yeah, it's going to get worse. And now I have an article coming out of the Amazon, another one. I, last week I bombarded you with stuff like that, and here's another one from the Guardian.com environmental section. More than 800 million Amazon trees felled in six years to meet beef demand. This is one of several articles coming out this week in the Guardian about deforestation in the Amazon. Here they report about how the sanctioned ranchers are trying to get around the meatpacking plant's restrictions by laundering cattle. They truck them to another clean ranch to sell them to the meatpackers, who then process them for shipping overseas. The biggest customers are the EU, the UK, and China, who is the biggest importer of Brazilian beef. Small wonder since China also has that mega fishing fleet, it's also traveling all over the Pacific, stealing fish from other countries. There are other countries' fishing grounds to feed all our people. China can't support itself, so they take all they can from anywhere they can around the world. Sounds like a couple other places I know. And here's another one a visual guide to deforestation in Brazil's Amazon rainforest. This is by this came out of the Guardian environment again by Anna Leach, Harvey Simmons, Lucy Swan, and Patrick Greenfield. Fortunes of the world's largest rainforest and its indigenous inhabitants have risen and fallen with political leadership. This other Amazon rainforest from the Guardian talks about how 17% of South America's rainforests have been destroyed. And the tipping point to complete devastation is about 20-25%. to 25%. Think about that. They've already destroyed 17%? And once they get to the 20, 25 percent, it's done. They get beyond that and there will be no more. Uh, the forest can't, you know, the forest at this point can't sustain itself. Without the Amazon rainforest, the world's going to lose a huge carbon sink and global warning is only going to increase exponentially. So think about that. We already have problems with global warning. And we're almost, Amazon is almost at the tipping point, you know, let's say 20, 25 percent you know, let, let's say 25%. I want to be, I kind of want to be positive here. But, you know, not that far away. And they're, they're, you know, they're still cutting and mining and digging gold and everything else down. They're destroying the forest. And it's all about, a large majority of it is about the beef. Why do people have to eat so much beef around the world? They can eat other things. That, instead of, you know, cutting down the Amazon to grow cattle. So I'm going to go across the world here. And this is another climate change article out of the Guardian. The U.S. deal could plug Turkmenistan's colossal methane emissions. The Central Asian country has the worst rate of climate heating super-emitter events in the world. How the U.S. is going to help with Turkmenistan's methane problem over their antiquated oil and gas industry equipment and pipelines. The U.S. is also going to assist other countries as well in the bid to curb methane emissions around the world. So good for the US, they're going to send some money overseas to help these people clean up their messes, which, you know, for once, the United States is not going to do something positive. How long that's going to last is any question. And whether they're actually going to make a, you know, going to make a big difference. Well, time will tell. And I got another article here about cows. And this is, again, another climate change article. Growing Pains by Liz Kuntz. Cows are getting bigger. So is their impact on the environment. Another great article about the damage cows do to the environment. You know, this is a repeat basically, from last week. Why do we eat so much beef? And I just asked you guys that in in a previous article about the Amazon. So she answers that question here. Why do we eat so much beef? Marketing and money dating back to the 19th century is pretty much it. Marketing and money. How long that's gonna last? Well, it's gonna last as long as there's grass to feed the cows, which right now is becoming short supply. Uh, I'm gonna to have to kind of let you more. You know, I'll let you know more about that. You know, as time goes. I here's another climate article here. This is log and burn or leave alone. Indiana residents fight U.S. Forest Service, Forest Service over the future of Hoosier National Forest. The Mighty Valuable Oak is at the center of conflict between federal officials and logging opponents over how to manage mature forests in an era of climate change, by Marianne Lavelle. This came out of InsideClimateNews.org. It's a good article on the controversies of the Forest Service saying they're right versus the inhabitants saying they're right, or their policies are clear cutting softwood trees and reseeding with better climate change adapted hardwood trees. Local activists say that the methodology methodology is wrong and will cause more harm than good. But the Forest Service says the science is on their side. I agree with the locals. Let Mother Nature handle things, as it seems she is in you know she's certain left in certain left alone areas. Now they can just convince the government to be patient, and let things take their natural course. So basically, what it all boils down to is the Forest Service is saying we need to clear cut all these softwood trees because they're not natural to this part of the forest, this old forest. Before all the softwood trees were in there, they had all kinds of hardwoods. And yes, this is true. Back before the Europeans showed up about 300 some odd years ago, yes, there was tons of hardwood out there and almost no softwood. That's the natural order of things. But Europeans came in, clear cut everything to make farms and so on and so forth and they planted all kinds of pine trees because why? They grow quicker. So all these years now we've got old wood, old forest, softwood trees, pines, spruces, you name it. And the Forest Service is saying get rid of them all, we're going to plant hardwoods because of the climate change. Well the problem is they're clear-cutting everything and they're planting seedlings, but think about it. How long does it take an oak tree to grow tall? Years and years and years and years. So what's going to happen to the land in the meantime? It's clear cut. There's nothing there anymore. And you're going to expect these seedlings to hold all the topsoil in? Yeah, no, that's not very, smart on, not very smart on the Forest surface. If they would just let things alone, Mother Nature would take care of it. Again, there's another piece in this article that talks about that, where they did leave a section alone. And as the softwood trees died out, the hardwoods grew in their place. It's the natural order of things. So I'm, you know, I ought to tell, I'm tell i on these people's side. Tell Forest Service, you know, go screw themselves, let things alone, and let Mother Nature take care of business. Quit trying to interfere. So now I'm going to read, I've got an article here from one of my favorite writers. Her name is Jessica Wildfire, or at least that's the name she publishes under. And she's, her article is entitled, Everything is Shrinking Now, Endless Growth Has Ended. It's another spot-on article about how global warming is affecting economies around the world, and especially the U.S. It isn't pretty, and it's only going to continue to get worse. It's time for us baby boomers to get off the train and sit on the porch of life. Dispense a little sage advice now and again, if asked, but let the generations take the reins and drive for a while until it's time for another generation to take over from them. We the baby boomers have screwed things up enough in the last 50 years, It's time for the younger generations to get on board, get up out of their chairs, and start making making things right. And again, I'm going to promote this type of activism here going forward. It's time for the younger folks, the people in their 40s, 30s, and 20s, get up off the chairs, get off the couches, and start taking a more active role in protecting the planet and fixing our politics. Here's another climate change article, Mining Critical to Renewable Energy Tied to Hundreds of Alleged Animal Human Rights Abuses. Now, This is from today. A report released Wednesday faults the U.S. and other nations for providing incentives for the mining of rare metals like lithium and cobalt without enacting adequate labor and environmental safeguards by Katie Surma. This came out of InsideClimateNews.org. The article about human rights abuses in the worldwide mining industry and how the united states is is a big player in all this or should we say state sponsored mining corporations who are willing to abuse workers for profits and kill right kills uh, you, you know climate activists when they get too close to the to the truth and basically what this article talks about is how all these countries, especially over in West Africa right now, Ghana and and the other neighboring countries, where mining operations are tearing the earth up, ripping out the Congo, you know, the old forest in the Congo and in Equatorial Africa, for the sake of mining all these rare earths, gold, and you name it, and they're you know the people are being paid pennies, you know, if you, excuse me, if you could even call it that, and being abused and everything else, and yet what we're doing, we're throwing money at these corporations, telling them, hey, go get this stuff. We'll pay you some money. We don't care how you get it. Just get it for us. So they're abusing all these people that they've hired to, to, to dig all this stuff up. It's pretty sad. And it's going on in South America, going on in Africa, and who knows where else. But again, it's all about the corporate mentality. Any way we can get the, get the stuff out of the ground as cheaply as possible and Human rights abuses have no bearing. And this is another article, again, another, fr- another one from Jessica Wildfire, and this one, again, she wrote today. Russia and China make food and water their most powerful weapons of mass destruction. For the first time, the state of Kansas plans to import wheat. So this is something I've been alluding to for weeks now, and it's finally here. The United States is becoming more and more unable to feed its people, and the government is relatively clueless. They're too busy, you know, in the District of Columbia arguing about who is in charge of the country. Well, it slowly disappears behind their backs. So what she's talking about here is Kansas doesn't have enough wheat to send to their flour mills anymore because of climate change. Wheat fields are drying up. They're burning up. And there's not enough water to to take care of them. So Kansas used to be one of the biggest wheat-growing states that we had in the United States not too long ago. And now they can't grow enough to take care of themselves. They're having to import it. And that's not just Kansas, but the surrounding states. All these states out there that used to be our what we used to call our breadbasket. Well, the breadbasket's bread gone now. We're drying up. And we, are, we don't have anywhere else to grow this stuff. So Americans, get ready to be hungry. We're going to be tightening our belts here for too long. Now I'm going to get into basically. I don't want to say education, but sort of kind of. Um, this is more about crime in some ways, civil rights, a little bit, a little bit of mixture of everything. So the first article I picked up out of bbc.com. Utah, state of Utah, primary schools, banned the Bible for, for vulgarity and violence by Max Matza. Bible's now added to the list of banned books in the United States. So the big question is, where is it all going to end? So they're saying in Utah that the Bible has too much violence in it to be in classrooms for the younger kids. They're going to allow it into high schools, uh, you know, 10, 11th, and 12th grades. But anything younger than that? Nope, sorry. Too much violence, too much vulgarity, all that kind of stuff. So they're banning it. What's next? The Quran? Well, I'm sure the Quran's already been banned. So they're even here after this article came out. They're actually even talking about ban- banning... Now, this is Utah, mind you, okay? The home of the Mormon church and everywhere else. But they're talking about banning the Mormon Bible as well. And so you got to ask themselves, are they doing this out of spite? It sure sounds like it. So this one came out of theguardian.com. It's a technology article. And this comes from Ireland. Much easier to say no. Irish town unites in smartphone ban for younger children. Parents in schools across Greystones the name of the town, adopt a voluntary no smartphone code in a bid to curb peer pressure. It's a story from a small town in County Wicklow that decided to make a voluntary ban for younger children to have access to smartphones until they reach the age for secondary school. Now this is a lesson for other communities around the world. I wish a lot of other countries would pay attention to this. We might have a lot, I'm sure that we would have a lot less problems with attention spans and all kinds of disciplinary problems in the schools if we banned phones for children, starting at home. So I got another article here from Europe, from Poland. Hundreds of thousands of march, hundreds of thousands march against right wing populist government. We're a half million here, half a million here, says Donald Tusk, at what he says is largest political political gathering since Poland regained independence. And This came out of the Guardian.com world. It's by Sean Walker. Poland is reeling from a massive protest march about the restrictions being imposed by their current right-wing government. If they can affect more liberal changes in their next elections, maybe that can be a lesson for the U.S. Here's another one, and I keep saying this. United States need to start paying attention to all these countries overseas. They're starting to make changes in their governments for the good. And we ought to take note because we certainly need some welcome changes here on this side of the ocean. And this is another kind of technical article, sort of kind of maybe. Amazon and Google fund anti-abortion lawmakers through complex, complex shell games. Blue chip companies gave to a public group funneling money to lawmakers who overturned abortion ban veto in North Carolina. This came out of The Guardian. Story of how large global corporations donate money that is just flung in all directions, only to be funneled directly into GOP politicians' pockets for various uses. In this case, anti-abortion. But it's also being used for other things like anti-transgender legislation and loosening child labor laws. Is this on purpose? Or just tax write-offs without caring how that donation money is spent. Well, I'd say it's kind of a toss-up. There's a fact that there are some right-wing billionaires out there who are directly funneling money to line GOP politicians' pockets. And that money is intended for anti-abortion, anti-transgender legislation, loosening child labor laws, all this stuff. Other folks, they're just throwing money out there and writing it off at the end of the year. They don't care what they do with the money. I don't really be honest with you, I don't know which is worse. I think they ought to just stop. Period. Get rid of Citizens United and stop these people from doing what they're doing here. And I picked this up last week. Um it's kind of a crazy thing. New Hampshire man arrested and charged with death threat to U.S. Senator. Statement by U.S. Attorney's Office says Brian Landry, 66, Called office of unnamed senator said saying I'm a veteran sniper. This came out of the Guardian U.S. news. So I wrote this. I, wrote, I included this because it's kind of starting here in the United States. We have a lot of angry constituents willing to commit violence to congressmen over the annex in D.C. My whole thing is this is just the start of things to come. There's going to be more stories like this coming here in the near future, especially in the next 12 months or so before the next presidential election. And this one, I think everybody has pretty much heard about this by now. China defends buzzing American warship and Canadian frigate in a Taiwan Strait. Now, I got this out of CBC, but it was also in the American newspapers and stuff like that. Chinese defense minister says patrols is Strait are provocation. Well, they've been saying that for years, that Americans and any other, you know, NATO or allied AUKUS, this new thing they call AUKUS, and all this other stuff— Australian ships or whatever patrolling the China, the China Straits is a provocation. And the big thing about that is, is it going to get worse? So before this, a couple days before this story broke, a Chinese jet buzzed one of our AWACS planes that was flying over the area over there. And it was a blip in the news. Now we got Chinese destroyers, you know, fast destroyers that are cutting off the, our ships And I say ours, North America here, cutting off our ships as we're trolling the straits. Um, Basically, like if you're driving down a highway and a driver from the left lane just cuts over in front of you and and goes over to all the way to the far right lane. And what are you doing? You're hitting on the brakes. Well, you know, that's a that's a problem. Ships don't stop quite as quickly as cars do on a highway. And, you know, will we have accidents if they keep it up? There just might be. And then where are we going to be? Of course, the the Chinese defense minister admits that starting a war with the U.S. could end in worldwide disaster. Yeah, you think? New Zealand pilot kidnapping exposes Indonesia's Papua Hotspot. This is a human rights story here out of Papua, New Guinea. The incident in a remote highlands region has drawn renewed attention to one of the world's least known conflicts. I got this story out of Al Jazeera. So this this story goes back decades and as usual it's about money. In this case, natural resources that Indonesia wants to keep stealing. All while polluting the land and slowly trying to kill off the indigenous Papuans. The bigger question is, why does nobody want to help them? Well, these Papuans... the this terror sort of kind of terrorist organization here. They kidnapped a, a New Zealand pilot. They've had him for a couple of months now. And they're saying, we'll let him go free if the ne- Indonesians will get off the island and leave things alone and give the land back to, you know, the owners, which is the Papuans. Uh, there's, uh, you know, there's a couple of tribes, which they mentioned in the article here. Uh, but again, this, this thing goes back about three decades. This war, this little, I will not call it a war, but this little disagreement, starting to turn violent here. Uh, you know. Again, that's one of those back-page articles that you hardly ever hear about, but it's kind of important. It goes to show you that first-tier countries like Russia, China, and the United States aren't the only ones getting in there and stealing stuff from people. Inside the fundamentalist Christian movement that wants to remake Canadian politics. This is another article out of CVC. Internal documentation reveals ambitions... Ambitions of Anti-LGBTQ Group That is Part of a Populist Movement From Jonathan Montpetit in CBC So the big thing about this article here Is as we all know Christian nationalists have have been all in the news Here in the United States for a while now And even more so here lately Especially since Donald Trump was in power But now the Canadians are having problems with this stuff And it's becoming a problem up there not as big as the United States but it looks like it's starting to get some forward movement here so folks up there in the you know in the LGBTq transgender groups you might want to start looking over your shoulders a little bit more now I'm sorry to say Canada you should not be inheriting our bad problems from down here I'm sorry as us aims to bring back manufacturing supporting women is key and this one here it's I, I got this out of Al Jazeera, and it's a, talking about the wa- a wave of the future. Around the world, women are finally saying no to corporate slavery and staying home with the kids. The downfall is loss of income, but if manufacturing wants to make a comeback in the U.S. and other countries, they will have to step up child care subsidies. Someone has to take care of the kids. And that's basically what they're kind of saying. For the longest time, as, as long as I can remember, women have been unequally paid for the same jobs that they're doing with men. And it's always been a problem. They've always, you know, said something about it, but not forcefully enough, in, you know, in my, my thinking. But at the same time, it's been a thing. But here lately, especially since the pandemic, it's been an issue of daycare because when we all, when the world shut down in 2020, daycare centers had to shut down. A lot of them closed and never reopened. And because of that, the ones that are opening are charging a lot more money than they used to. Maybe, maybe they have to? Yeah, I don't know. I do know that daycare providers never had a lot of money to begin with. So maybe they had to up the wage scales and, and the prices of goods and all that kind of stuff. And so now daycare is out of reach for a lot of poor people or not even poor people, just average paycheck to paycheck workers. And that's basically what factory, factory workers are generally. The wage scale is such that they get paid and by the time the next paycheck comes around, they're they're living on crackers um, in some ways and they want to get better. They're saying this, if you want to open up factories in this country, you need to pay us, especially if you want women on the workforce, you need to pay us a living wage and you need to figure out a way to provide us with daycare. Which, hey, I'm all aboard with that. If I can support that, I'm all about it. I think it's the right thing to do. But we'll see. You know, American corporations, typically, they don't really care about human rights. They, you know, that's another thing. You know, corporate corporate leaders take, oh, we have a never-ending supply of labor. Yeah, not. Now, this one is another one. This is from out west. Oklahoma approves first taxpayer-funded religious school in the U.S. School board vote sets in motion, in motion a battle between religious freedom and the separation of church and state. Another article from Al Jazeera.com News. Now, here it is. First salvo fired across the ball of separation of church and state. The question now is, will it stand? The Oklahoma governor has endorsed this, setting up a legal battle in the courts. Now, here's the thing. If they allow this to stand, and what it basically amounts to is that they allowed public, public vouchers, school vouchers, in this one place over in Oklahoma to fund a Catholic school. For children. Well Catholic school right away tells you it's a religious school. Well here in the United States that's against the law. It's in our Constitution. But yet they went ahead and did it saying we don't care about the Constitution. We're gonna do whatever we want to. And the governor governor is all on board with this. So the Attorney General, the State Attorney General said oh no 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 we're gonna fight this. It's gonna go to court. So my question is Which court is it to go to? Are we going to go all the way to the Supreme Court of the United States, which we all know has six right wing, very, very staunchly Christian judges sitting on it? I wonder how that'll fly. And in this one here is a paleontology article I found. It's to kind of take you you away from the bad stuff. This is actually a nice article. Um, Scientists say world's oldest known burial site found in South Africa. The site in the cradle of humankind near Johannesburg contains remains of a small brain distant relative of human, scientists say. I concur with the story. Homo sapiens is not that special, just more evolved. We aren't that much different in behavior than our 100,000-year-old ancestors other than our enhanced tool usage. But our, our forebrain and everything else, I mean, yeah, we have a bigger brain now only because we, we remember more. You know, we're like a large, you know, all we have basically is a larger hard drive up there on the top of our necks. And does that make us any smarter? I don't think so. We're just, we are still guided by our prefrontal cortex of, you know, fight or flight or freeze. Okay. And that guides us, you know, that guides almost everything we do, especially in the politics and everything else going around the world. And so now I'm going to do something really nice. This is a kind of a soft piece that I'm going to do. I have a good friend of mine, lives out in the northwest part of the United States. He's a Navy veteran, and he's got about three or four more years before he's going to retire. But he wants to be a fictional book author. He's written several, several, several really good articles, posted them on Medium and Substack, mostly Medium. And he actually wrote a book and put it on Amazon. It's entitled The Seven Deaths of Prince Vlad. His name is Jack Finn. So the, he, he put a promotional article in Substack. But the book, the name of the book and the author, you can find on Amazon in, in the Kindle section. So I want to promote this from my friend. And I've actually read the book, and I think it's quite good. It's a short story, not very long. And I recommend this for like a good weekend read or a bedtime story to read a chapter or two before sleeping. So this story has a different twist on the old Bram, Bram Stoker version which it makes it a lot more fun. And I, you know, that's the big thing about it. It was a fun read. And, 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 you know, it wasn't really hard to understand at all. It's a very good story. I highly recommend that you go here. So at this point, it's time for me to take my break. I'm going to leave you here with my little commercial. I'm going to get a drink of water. And at this, here in a couple of minutes, I'm going to start the second half. So I'll be back in a few minutes. I want to take this break time to bring attention to my website, Crombie Ha, at https forwardslash 527websitex 5me I have a blog page where I offer insights and teasers about the articles and stories I write, and where I posted them. Here in the website, you can also learn a little more about what Crombeha means, for a little bit of Irish culture, and more about me in general. I also have links to my Medium and Substack pages, an ad page for my books and a contact page in case someone cares to leave a message. If you care to read my medium.com articles, I have an option at the end of all the articles and stories to leave a donation to my coffee fund and to sign up for a subscription if you want. No one's obligated to financially support my work because I post everything for free. Medium does ask you to sign up to read the full piece though even if it is for free, so just a heads up. If you want to read something and don't want to sign up for anything, give me a shout through the contact page on my website. And I'll reach back out to you to see if we can work something out. Welcome back to the second half of the Crombie Haw podcast. My first little blue here is I have a, another article from Miss Jessica Wildfire that I'm going to read to you here in a couple of minutes. It's called The Parodification of America. She published on June 3rd. Today's, today's youth feel the burdens of adulthood, not the freedoms. She's got a lot of followers, several thousands of them, and she's been writing for a while. And I'll be honest with you, she rivals any journalist I see out there from CNN, Reuters, you name it, around the world. And I'm one of her favorite fans, and she has several several others. But the big thing about that is she does this as a side hustle, if you will. She's a college professor doing her best to help provide for her family in a deteriorating world. I mentioned her article today in the front half of the show, in a couple of articles, because I keep up with her on a daily basis, and every time she writes something, I get it right front and center. And, you know, I don't promote everything she writes, but I do pick out the best ones, and I'm going to start giving you more of them. The big thing about this is that I also promote other writers, like Liz Koontz, who write about climate change, dysfunctional politics, and all the other problems plaguing the world which brings me to my other point of discussion today. I'm going to start changing up the content on this podcast starting next week. I want to start promoting good writers from medium.com and Substack, mostly medium foremost, and add in a smaller handful of noteworthy news from around the world regarding climate change, environmental issues, human rights, and maybe some other oddball stuff that attract my attention. So if it gets my attention, maybe it'll get yours as well. Change is good. And maybe this new idea... I might get a little more attention for the wrongs of the world we live in. I would like very much to hear from you, the listeners, to see if I'm doing something worthwhile here. And there's several ways to do that. You can contact me via the contact page on my website. And you can also contact me through signing up to read stuff on medium.com and leave notes uh, and, and stuff like that on articles that I put in Substack, which I don't write to that much. You're better off sticking with medium and you can actually just leave a message on my website. Um, I got a contact page there. More welcome to leave something. Now, the big thing about that is, you know, I want to let you know a little bit about this podcast here today. Now, I'm not the smoothest talker and I'm not a talk show personality and I do better and, you know, I'm trying to get better. Maybe, you know, hopefully I can get better in the future. But like any broadcaster, I do rely on feedback and it's something that I've been missing here. Now, this is going to be episode 17 and I have yet to hear from anybody anywhere in the outside world regarding whether they like the show. They want to see me make any changes. They is anything at all about here. um, You know, you care to listen to. So by all means, let me know what you think. So my goal remains the same broadcast to the world the bad things that our humans are humans doing to themselves, and most importantly, the planet we live on. I plan to be around for the long haul, as long as my health allows me to be. Well, I still have a few, worlds, you know, a few years to give to the world. So the big thing is, I'm a senior citizen. And you know, if I'm lucky, i got another 20, 25 years left. I don't know if I'll be doing a podcast for that long, but I plan to do it for quite a while. The big thing about this is, I'm glad I'm retired now, But I do produce this from home. So just as we were talking here a minute ago, my wife is in the other room running the vacuum cleaner again when I I asked her nicely not to do that. But so you may hear that in the background. And I apologize ahead of time if you do. But it goes to show you, you know, I'm not in a soundproof, fancy million-dollar studio um, trying to produce this. Uh, I do this all by myself. And the thing about it is, you know, I don't... I haven't decided to do video. I think I'm going to leave off with that for right now. But maybe down the road. Who knows? I do have a professional microphone. And I do, some, I do have some recording and editing software that I purchased from a company called NCH Software out of Australia. They have a lot of other projects. You know, a lot of products. You know, but I don't need them. You know, I believe in the old military KISS adage. What we used to, what we used to call a KISS mythology. Keep it simple, stupid. And since I'm producing this by myself, no helpers, crew, or any outsourcing. Again, you might hear it all, background noise, like I just mentioned. And so I ask you to forgive me for that. Because remember, I'm doing a one-man show here. There was an episode a couple weeks ago where there, you know, as I was doing the editing, I caught some background noise from the landscapers running around out here on my office window. And unfortunately, there was no way for me to... I mean, not me. I'm not a professional editor. So I couldn't edit that out. And again, my wife, that run into vacuum cleaner in the other room every once in a while. Um, that's just something that, you know, unfortunately, this is an organic show. You're going to get a little bit of that kind of stuff. And if it, and if it if you're expecting something like, uh, you know, Josh Rogan or what's his name? Alec Jones or anything like that. Well, you know, this isn't it. I, I do the best I can, though. I really do. So the big thing about it, Rob, you know... I'd give you raw material, I'm just an average Joe, as if we were sitting down over a cup of coffee gossiping about the latest news at a kitchen table, or in my case, sitting under a shade tree in your backyard, and if you don't have one, use your imagination and conjure up one. As a writer myself, I spend a lot of time writing fictional novels and short stories during the week, reading articles and stories from my favorite writers, and I still farm myself out for occasional IT gig projects for some IT staffing you know, I'm in my late 60s, and I still do gig work, believe it or not. It helps put a little extra on the table. I'm technically retired, but I do prefer to stay busy, which is one of the reasons why I started this podcast. Now, the only difference in my life now, as far as retirement, is I just don't commute to an IT shop every day anymore. It allows me to help my wife with her gardening when she needs it, and an occasional road trip like the one we just took this week, who got back today, matter of fact. So as a senior citizen and a later, what I call a later style baby boomer, you know, I was, I'm from the late 50s, I'm going to use this opportunity to cajole and plead with the younger generations to take notices of the injustices, climate changes, polluting, modern day slavery, and anything else I can throw at you to get you all on board towards making changes in our awareness and political systems to affect the changes we need to make our world livable for the following generations. In my case, my grandchildren. If I can convince my adult children to vote for the need of changes to bring back a stable economy, maybe I can convince other younger people to follow and get on board. If we muster up enough voters, we can get rid of the current crop of legislative clowns and vote for some who will listen to the will of voters and not their corporate donors. So that's all I'm going to say about this for now, because I'm going to be hammering you a lot more in the weeks and months to come. We need to get rid of corporate donorship. I can't say that enough. So as always, I'll follow up this podcast with a newsletter available on my website under under my profile at Medium.com and Substack.com, all of which are free to use. Although they will ask you to create an account for free, my website's free to view, and I'll be posting everything on a blog page there. No account signed up required. So some you know you got choices. The big thing about it here is if you sign up for a free account on medium substack, you get you get access to all these other people that write, like Jessica Wildfire, Liz Koontz, and anybody else, you know, that you might be interested in, and you get access to all of their stuff. So think about it. So now I'm going to read Miss Jessica Wildfire's article to kind of put all of this stuff in perspective for you younger folks. The perennification of America Today's youth feel the burdens of adulthood and not the freedoms. It was kind of like being Cinderella without the glass slipper. Parentification happens when an adult places too much responsibility on a child. It's a form of abuse. An adult might make them the primary caregiver of another another family member, but they might make them pay bills or get a job to supplement family income. They might confide in their child in ways they're not prepared for. Meanwhile, the parent still tries to maintain the image of authority. A child might still have a curfew or a bedtime, even when they're in charge of their mom's medication, cooking dinner, or making sure their younger brother finishes their homework. Parentified children often deal with all the demands of adulthood, but none of the freedoms. As a parentified child, child, I know a little bit about that. I'm not exaggerating when I say this. We're witnessing parentification of America. We're watching it play out on a national scale as older affluent Americans shirk their responsibilities and fall back on childish logic to justify increasingly reckless, selfish, aggressive ch- agendas. Teenagers have, are having to contemplate a sixth mass extinction happening in their lifetimes. Rather than help them develop the emotional tools to deal with that, most of the adults in their lives are telling them to pretend it's not happening. They want them doing homework and chores, studying for tests, playing sports, filling out out college applications, doing public service and working jobs. The perception is that young people are lazy and addicted to their phones. The reality is they are doing more than ever. Among all the different articles out there on what teens and adolescents need, I almost never see this. Give them a break. Let them relax. Let them sleep. Listen to them. Birth rates are declining. Rather than come up with a sustainable, with sustainable solutions for managing America's aging population, adults are telling young people, even 10-year-olds, they need to have more babies to keep the economy going. The far right in particular invoke innocence and purity as rationales for stripping, away, stripping rights away from everyone they dislike, while trying to give jobs to 14-year-olds to fill holes in the workforce because America worked too many people to death during the pandemic. Meanwhile, they all try to present themselves as authorities, pushing pointless punitive laws for the supposed benefit of America's youth when they only seem designed to exploit everyone further. Let's look at what they're doing to address the mental health crisis among young people. Have they cut back global emissions? No. Have they stopped warmongering with other countries? No. Have they made housing affordable? No. Have they done anything meaningful to lower the cost of food? No. Have they made education affordable? No. In fact, Senate Democrats voted to add retroactive interest to everyone's student loans, set to resume later this year. Biden has vowed to veto that measure. Still, it's a revealing look at priorities. Young people saw that. They appropriately view it as a knife in the back. As one of my readers has pointed out, fascist and hardcore neoliberals are going for broke. They're doing absolutely everything they can to ruin younger generations, hoping it burns them out quick. They're scared of young people and their power. Terrified, actually. Republicans and Democrats only seem to agree on one thing. Young people deserve more rules and more surveillance. Over the last few months, there's been a major push to convince parents that their teens are spending too much time on their phones. Universities university have been banning TikTok on their campus Wi-Fi networks. Montana recently outlawed the app altogether. The Biden administration has been pressuring the company's owner to sell their stake to Western investors. Apparently, they'll make it, that'll make it safe. It's yet another moral panic. The tone and tenor of the national discourse now echo the manufacturing of consent we saw as governments lifted COVID protections. They said it would make us feel better. It didn't. Right now, I'm reading a Twitter thread by U.S. Senator Chris Murphy, where he describes a conversation with some high schoolers about his plan to ban algorithm, algorithmic boosting to teens. Murphy says, it was as if they couldn't, con- they couldn't contemplate having to work to find fulfilling content. I, su- I suggested that maybe receiving rewards on a conveyor belt is kind of numbing and empty. That's a little condescending, she says. He then goes on to bemoan how young people's mental health has been deteriorating as social media takes over their lives. And with that, Chris Murphy utters the 11 billionth platitude about young people's mental health. In the comments, you can see adults bickering back and forth over what teens need as they insult, gaslight, and block each other. One of the most ironic things I've seen this year, adults acting like children as they debate what's best for kids. Consider this. Politicians don't care about the mental health of children or teenagers. They want Western oligarchs to control the world's most popular social media app. They sat back and watched influencers destroy half a generation, and it did nothing. They'll never convince me they're suddenly concerned about toxic content. Now, Twitter and Facebook are are dying. So is YouTube. Even Instagram isn't doing so well. It's almost like ad revenue depends on people buying stuff. Everyone's on TikTok. Far from being a cesspool of toxic content, TikTok exposes America's youth to ideas outside the domain of Western influence. God forbid teenagers get the silly idea that we shouldn't fight endless wars or they deserve a living wage. God forbid they use it to organize unions and protest. It's dangerous to let kids learn about socialism or climate change on an app where bootlickers don't, bootlookers don't have a say over their algorithms. If you look around, teens and 20-somethings are the ones driving our movements now. They're on the front lines of the fight for climate adaption and gun safety. They've heard the message loud and clear. Nobody's coming to save them. They have to save themselves. I mean, please, show me a broad coalition of adults who are making good decisions about their own health, much less to plan its future. With a few exceptions, including my readers, wink, most adults seem to be doing everything they can to ignore the reality in front of them. Young people today are the most t- practical and involved generation we've had in decades. They're more informed about sh- social injustice in the environment. They're voting in large numbers. They're diverse. They're progressive. They lean socialist. They want the government to play a more active role. They believe in standing up for each other against bullies. They're not afraid to show their emotions. They're even better at resolving differences than older generations. And they're telling us just how disappointed they are to see our leaders constantly fail to deliver on the most important issues of our time. That's the source of their mental health crisis. They're inheriting a wrecked world. It's not their phones. The moral panic over social media comes far too late for it to sound like anything other than a distraction from our our real problems and an excuse to silence young people. If we're going to regulate social media, that ship sailed and fell over the ocean's edge years ago. It's a moot point. I honestly don't think younger generations will have the same problems with it that ours did. Politicians constantly use the welfare of young people as political bargaining chips while selling their future to big oil, big pharma, and big corn. Young people aren't that stupid. They see it. The far right have been absolute worst offenders when it comes to exploiting children's welfare, welfare for their own political game. They invoke children as the sole reason for opening schools and dropping mask mandates, as well as banning books and drag performances. They've undermined vaccine campaigns, even for non-controversial shots. They minimize their own children's illnesses. They advocate for corporal punishment. They try to force 10-year-olds to give birth. They try to legalize and normalize normalize child marriage. They've called bomb threats into big box stores in the name of protecting children. Meanwhile, the same group has allowed guns to become the number one killer of children in the U.S. They've traumatized parents by using Winnie the Pooh to teach their kids how to hide from mass shooters. They make children play dead in the hallways. They're legalizing child labor. The parentification of America's youth is already well underway. In some sense, it's necessary. They've already shown us that they're up for it. But we're going to make them carry our responsibilities. Let's at least, if, if we're going to make them carry our responsibilities, let's at least stop lecturing them on how to use apps and pretending it's for their mental health. Let's give young people some space. They have work to do. So that's all I've got for you this week. I hope I've enlightened you a little bit with my choice of stories and thoughts. I'll close out this show with a challenge. How much are you willing to do to bring the United States back on track to be in a good place to live again? excluding the weather and wildfires. We brought those on ourselves and now we have to live with them them, until we can turn things around, if you care to. I would like to thank you for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoyed it and that you'll return again for another episode of the Crombeha podcast. Feel free to share this with your friends and relations, the more the merrier. Each podcast will be free and can be found on many different platforms now. Search for the Crown Beha podcast or under my name, T-O-D-O-M-H-N-A-I-L-L in your favorite app. My goal is for this to feel like a village meeting place atmosphere under the spreading oak tree during our time together with an Irish flair. As a Sean K, I want to travel to your digital village to bring you the back page news from the outside world and maybe a story too that might bring you a smile and make you think a little bit after we part for the day. As I close out this episode, I wish to leave you with this Irish blessing as you go about your day until we meet again. May your troubles be less, and your blessings be more. Nothing but happiness come through your door. Slán go fóill, which means goodbye for now in Irish.